0: Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. Our guests this week are Dave Salvant and Song Laron, co-founders at Squire. Song, Squire's CEO, is the first voice you'll hear after I ask a bit about Squire's history. Dave, Squire's president, is the second voice you'll hear. Together, they've built a leading barbershop management software, and they're venturing into the world of fintech together with us at Bond. We cover Squire's founding story, why Squire Capital and the Squire Card, specifically are so important at this time in the world why we're working together and finally the dent that Dave and song want to leave in the world I hope you enjoy this interchange so how did that lead you to the to buying and owning and operating a barbershop
1: yeah so running the barbershop came in a little bit later but the idea of um addressing something and in, 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 uh, creating a business around this industry, um, we would just brainstorm. And, and a lot of the ideas we came up with were based on our own experiences, our own pain points. We wanted to solve a problem that we understood and create something that we would actually use. And eventually we came across this idea of the barbershop experience and how, how awesome it is to get a haircut. You feel amazing. You look your best. You feel, feel like a million bucks. But at the same time, the process was so antiquated you need cash often, there's long wait times. it's hard to make a, an appointment. And we realized, wow, you know, there's an opportunity here that no other tech companies are addressing.
0: Wow. So you were even coming at it from the, the customer's point of view, not even necessarily like doing the customer discovery to think about the barber's migraine level pain points or even the barbershop owner. You were thinking about it from, you know, we like to make sure that we look good but this is a painful process to even get through. Yeah, yeah, no, we were just
2: solving for our pain points of having to um, go to barbershop weekly, bi-weekly, carry cash, and sit in the barbershop and wait for hours. Something that, you know, modern technology can solve for. Uh, we wanted to be able to, for guys to get a haircut of a lunch break and then just go back to work. And um, we, uh, we, once we first started and really started tackling the product problem, we thought that, you know, there would be this mass adoption. Um, you should see some of our early models, uh, I mean, <laughs> financial models, we'd had us making a hundred million in two years. So, I mean, but, um, yeah, so we thought everybody was going to adopt it. It was going to be widely accepted, you know, and, you know, it was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. But but that didn't work, you know, what we learned is uh, a couple things. Number one is in order to be successful, you have to uh, manage the full operating system uh, of the barbershop, more or less to be the chief operating officer, Um, because, you know, if there's multiple systems, uh, he doesn't use the barber, he or she doesn't use your um, product exclusively. there's going to be, there's going to be issues with double bookings and stuff like that. So we, we learned that you had to, um, um, uh, build, um, you had to take over the whole, 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 uh, operating of the barbershop. And the second thing we learned is, you know, uh, barbers are, you know, extremely, you know, blue collar. They, 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 they're, they're, they take it as your word, you know, you, you, you develop a level of trust and, you know, but the, the guys are very weary of, of new things and new processes. Uh, so we learned those two things um, um, when we were uh, first starting out.
0: I know you guys went through YC. Did owning and operating the barbershop or did YC come first? Which in the order of operations, how did that happen? So they were actually kind of in tandem. Ah. So, um, we, well, it's a
1: long story, but we applied to YC three times. First time, we just got rejected cold. The second time, we got rejected from the core batch, but we were accepted into what was called the YC Fellowship Program. Mm-hmm. And the third time, we got into the core batch. So when we got into the fellowship program, it was like a kind of a light version of YC, um, which no longer exists. But the idea was you kind of have potential, but you're not quite ready for for the batch and it was a remote uh, version. This is obviously YC is completely remote now, but this at the time you had to actually fly uh, to Silicon Valley and like live there for three months to do the batch. So the fellowship, we were able to stay in New York. Uh, We had one partner that we were working with um, and um, it was like a light version. So we got to the fellowship a little before we took, we, we took over the shop and then we took over the shop and then uh, soon thereafter, we were reapplied and were accepted to the core batch. Um, so when we were doing YC, we were also running the shop. Uh, we were flying back and forth to, to New York, uh, California, the Bay Area. Uh, and we had uh, Aram, uh, who is now our head of product, um, who at the time was doing a uh, biz def. He was actually like kind of running the shop also on a day-to-day because he stayed in New York. So it was a lot going on then <laughs> as well
0: that's uh, honestly know, knowing Aram somewhat well and knowing the fact that he has a law degree I love the idea of him just running a barbershop and just being forced to do it day to day that is that is very entertaining to me it was it, it was it was quite quite entertaining uh
1: yeah yeah I'll leave it there.
0: that's funny and that's wild that it took three times to get you guys into YC or the you know whatever the penultimate version of YC is where you're kind of doing that back and forth yeah. between New York and SF. Cause I was listening. I can't remember who this interview was with. I, but it was with Michael Seibel on somebody's podcast and it's the person asked about who the, you know, if you could name one company that embodies the values or something like that of YC or like one company that's been really impressive to you, he actually brought up Squire as the first example. Oh, so really? It, yeah. Oh, wow. so it's <laughs> wild to think about the fact that it took you guys three times to get in and now Michael Seibel is like using you guys as a wow. as a commercial. So was Michael the founder that you were working with through that fellowship program? Are we were working with... Uh Caster, Unes, and Justin Khan. Those were
2: uh, our our group
0: partners. Wild was Justin trying to get you to wear a wear a GoPro while you were building the business and put the whole yeah. thing on on Twitch. Uh, but he, he was is very you know
2: animated and his you know he was a great partner. I think I think him,
0: Caster, and and, and uh, Justin. Uh, they they definitely went well together. Well, it's a, it makes a lot of sense that you guys went the direction you did with that. And it, you know, we'll come back to it later, but it also makes sense that you're going the fintech direction that you're going now. But I'm curious, before we get to the fintech stuff, how, how did you go from one to many there? Going from zero to one in terms of owning your own barbershop and building the software and everything else that you would need and, you know, like kind of eating your own dog food, which is a really tired term, but I don't cutting your own hair. I don't know what to call it, but you know, something, <laughs> something like that. How did, how did that happen? Were you talking to a lot of other barbers or barber shops at that point? Like how, how did that growth trajectory kind of start? I mean, it was uh, by any means necessary. And that's what it
2: was, you know, like in YC, you know, they teach you, you got to have this kind of like V curve, you know, and, you know, or J curve. And, uh, we, we 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 did everything we did possible to do that. Um, I mean, we had to, you know, fly to Detroit to get some barbershops on. We had to go to, you know, Sacramento, drive down to Sacramento to get barbershops on. Uh, and and this system was so janky. Looking back, I wouldn't let myself. I would if I was a barbershop owner, I wouldn't let myself be on the system. That's how bad it was. But you know, <laughs> uh, looking back. But, you know, I think there's something about, you know, owner to owner, uh, you really showing effort and people respond to that energy, people, you know, take chances, you know, they see themselves in you and, you know, they, they want to do something bigger than themselves. And that's why a lot of customers, our early customers that are still on, by the way, really, really started, you know, uh, really, uh, rocking with us because, We were very authentic. We were, you know, very, you know, we communicated very well with them. And, you know, they saw the hustle. They saw the grind. Now, you know, the system went down. We got DDoSed and we had to go bribe uh, the borrowers, 500 each to stay on the platform because they weren't able to get appointments that day. You know, that's the nature of the beast. You have to do whatever you have to do to get to, to keep these guys on. So, you know, we had to do what we did.
0: So you took that doing things that don't scale, like that doing things that don't scale advice very seriously from driving to Sacramento to walking around with with hunters in the pocket, handing it out when you got DDoS attacked. I got I have to hear this DDoS story now. You got to tell me more about that. That sounds like a crazy day.
1: Oh, my God. I can still I still remember it like it was like it was yesterday. Um, This was while we are in YC, leading up to demo day. Oh. Um, yeah, as Dave they, they mentioned, you know, we started out with a mobile app consumer base that worked only for individual barbers. And then we pivoted and started building like the, the management system for the whole shop. Um, it took us a while to build that and we, were finally, we finally released it in the middle of the YC batch um, to a, a few shops and we saw our numbers skyrocket, you know. So they went from doing, let's just say like, four or five transactions you know a day to like you know hundreds of transactions a day because every single transaction was going to the system um so that's the process so, we, so we, we started seeing the immense growth uh, everything was great up into the right demo days coming everything was aligning And then maybe a week or so before demo day, you know, our system completely crashes and it it appears as if we're getting DDoSed. You know, to this day, we don't know 100% what was going on. (laughs) We don't know what was going on because we weren't, you know, we're not the technical founders and we have somebody else in the shoes uh, uh, on the technical side. So it was very mysterious, but basically everything went down. Uh, we, We didn't know why. We were trying to scramble to get it back on. And of course, the couple shops we had trying us, that we're using the system, causing all this growth. We're like, what the F is going on? You know, we're going to stop using it and go back to what we had before. So that was the impetus of why we drove down from, from San Francisco to Sacramento and basically sat in the shop, got yelled at, cursed at, damn near, you know, attacked by these barbers that were so angry. <laughs> um, and we, we, the only way to keep them on and and also, uh, you know, pacify them. We literally said, we'll pay you out for all the money you lost each day. And then at that point, they couldn't say anything. Um, we did that, you know, for at least a day or two until we got the system back up and running.
0: Wow. Leading up to demo day, building a deck. That's a wild, that's a wild story. And you said we've got oh, more and,
1: stories, man.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure. That's why we're doing multiple of these. I can only I can only fit so many of my questions into an hour with you guys. But one of the things you said there that, that kind of piqued my interest was as their anger kind of you know perspired out of them and their you know the steam was shooting out of their ears, they were you know cussing at you and then they were like, we're just gonna go back to what we were doing before. What? Were they doing before? Because I just imagine like cash and fax machines. Like what? What <laughs> was the previous version of their of their operating system? Like could they actually go back to what they were doing before? It feels like a, a 10x shift. This particular shop was using some another another software
2: um, that wasn't good. Um, you know that hadn't been updated in years, so it was very greenfield. And and this, this is very. This this barber in particular, he was a celebrity barber, so he had 150 thousand followers on Instagram. So mm. we couldn't lose him, and we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, um, afford him to have you know saying negative things about us. So it was a, a a double whammy if he left, he would leave, go back to the other shop, and then he would torture us in the community, and, and we just couldn't have that. But they were using some other software uh, that wasn't good.
0: That's interesting. So, there were other other barbershop softwares out. I mean, were they built for barbershops or was it kind of like the the mind body works for everything?
1: Exactly. So, uh, all the what we call competitors, they're not direct competitors in the sense of targeting barbershops, but they're very general, you know, general software, appointment based software that a lot of these shops are using just because it was the only option they, they, they had prior to Squire. Um, so, you know, you can think of like a lot of general point of sale systems, like you said, MindBody, you know, Square, stuff like that. Um, and then there's like a a myriad of like really super old salon, uh, software systems that were like built in like the nineties and they weren't even cloud-based. Um, and a a bunch of them, uh, will use, even to this day, we'll continue to use, um, those old systems.
0: So you're telling me there's on-prem servers in some of these barbershops? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's wow. I don't know why yeah. that's so funny to me, but like on-prem servers <laughs> inside of a bank or on-prem servers inside of an insurance company doesn't surprise me. But I just imagine like some of the barbershops I went to growing up as a kid with like a little little server room in the back, little server <laughs> rack. I just don't see that going on. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So how have you guys built this community? One of the things that I've noticed about Squire in general, like knowing you guys for a while, following the story, it seems like you've taken this whole idea of, you know, community banking used to be this thing that was about the the community geographically, right? It was about, hey, I got this bank down the street. I'm going to go to them. I know a guy, something like that. And it seems like you've almost turned the idea of at least community banking and we'll get to the banking piece in a minute into this like barber community. And you guys do a lot of media around barbers. Like how, how have you built that community in a way where Squire is kind of just the number one, like they're really, you know, there really isn't a mm-hmm. secondary out there. Apparently there's some people running on-prem servers, but how, how did you build the brand to this point? I mean, I, I think it boils down to, you know,
2: understanding our customers. Um, You know, like when we opened the, ran the barbershop for, for about a year, we told that story to barbershop owners and that, 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 that story really resonates with them because the psyche of a barbershop, barber, barber owner is they always have a chip on their shoulder. They always think they were overlooked by society. They always think that they, you know, society looks down on them. And they have a chip on their shoulder. And and I think we were the only company, and we're still the only company that looks looks at them like, you know, a squire. You know, like someone mm-hmm. builds up, you know, the community, someone who is in their community day in, day in, out. Someone that looked at in the community as as a pillar. And, you know, we were the only one to really believe that and really share that story. And then there's a level of authenticity that we have with our customer based on all of that. that. And we've been very good about, you know, staying true to who we are, uh, staying authentic, you know, um, and, and and being, you know, basic, the, the face of the organization. And, you know, I think when you couple every all those things together, you get a real passionate group of people who surround something that they can aspire to to, to work with and also can, you know, work through. So I I think, you know, that was critical in in the strategy and it just came out because we wanted to serve the community that we we wanted to work with the community and we wanted to serve this community.
0: So I just, I just did some Googling and the, the definition historically, at least of Squire is a young nobleman acting as an attendant to a knight before becoming a knight himself. So I read that not because I want to read you guys' definition, but I'm curious what Squire means in your brains, because I imagine over time you kind of, you know, you run a company for long enough and you almost develop your own definition of something. So one, I guess, kind of where that name come from, is that where it came from? And two, what is what does that name mean to you guys now? The name came from
1: the actual definition um, that you just read. Um, and what to us, like it, it resonates, what it symbolizes is something aspirational, uh, something, you know, very, very masculine, but, but aspirational, you know, you're talking about a nobleman, you're talking about being a knight, you're talking about, you know, the, the person who's helping the knight. And, you know, we looked at it originally as like the squire is, you know, every, every guy, you know, considers himself like he's the knight, like he's trying to do whatever he wants to do in life. And this, the squire is like helping, helping him do that. And then you can even extend it, you know, to the barber uh, as the same thing. Like this, the this, this squire, the software is actually there to help the barber be his best self or her best self and to aspire to whatever her aspirations are. So like that was kind of like the overall idea. And we just always like names that are kind of like a little ambiguous that you can imbue your own meaning to. So mm-hmm. we didn't want to do something like, you know, something cuts or you know like right. something hair like that's just corny you know like you know we don't we don't want to be limited to that You're like we are focused on the barbershop industry but at the same time we want to build a brand that's like really dope and cool and like that they aspire to be a part of and like squire for us this embody embody all of that and it just it just sounds cool just you know it could be sometimes when we wear like we do a lot of like merch and we think our merch is pretty, pretty sick. Like, compared, especially compared to most tech companies. And sometimes when we wear, like, people stop. Us, they think it's a fashion brand. They're like, "Oh, what Squire? Like, what? You know, oh, that's cool. Like, that's what we like because that's what barbers are into. That's what our customers are into. Also, so all around, you know, we're, we're pretty. Uh, we love the name, and, and we think it, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a global, you know, global, globally household name at some point.
0: <laughs> You get me excited just listening to you talk about that song. I feel like your, your corporate headquarters better have a round table for all these nights to sit at the board meetings. Like you guys have to have board meetings at a big round table and both of you have to sit there with swords, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. The brand equity is super, super
2: important. Like we have random people like just want to rock the brand because it's like really well designed as a lifestyle brand. Not just like a this barbershop thing. Like we want to do cut this or haircut hey, that, because we felt like these guys, as Sam was saying, these guys think of themselves as cultural influencers. So they want to attach themselves that to something outside of the barbershop. And our brand is really about our brand equity within the community is very strong, and outside the community. So it's something that ties the outside and inside together. Together.
0: Yeah, the cultural influence part I think is really in, interesting. I've gotten to know Carvel a little bit, and maybe it's a good moment to talk about him a little bit. But you guys have actually, if I understand it correctly, kind of set up a media brand under Squire, right? Specifically, kind mm-hmm. of focused on building that brand. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I've only gotten just like a little bit of it, so I don't, I don't, I don't know that whole story.
1: Yeah, so Curvell is our creative director, and He um, really understands, you know, the culture um, that barbershops uh, are part of, but also this culture in general. And and he's really done a great job of, like, taking what Dave and I created and running with it and even bringing new things to the table that we didn't think about. And one of the things that you mentioned is Ultra, which is actually our media. It's like a media company within Squire. Um, The website is uh, Ultra.NYC. And it really, like, we think about what happens in a barbershop. Barbershops are the epicenter of culture and communities. So when people are at the barbershop, what's going on? They're talking about fashion. They're talking about their dating life. They're talking about sneakers. They're talking about the boxing match. They're talking about all the things that are relevant and on the minds of the people who are in this space, occupying this space together. So we, we thought, how can we take that and bring it to a digital form? And that's what Ultra is. It's like a digital modern barbershop that highlights everything that these people, these these are interested in, but also that the consumers who are entering the barbershop space are also interested in. So we do a lot of, you know, features on like the newest, dopest sneakers on, you know, different haircut styles, fashion, technology, everything. Um, And the idea is that it gives Squire um, a forum um, where we can own our own media, where we don't have to always rely on, you know, social media or other media platforms. This, 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 this the audience is, is starting to get really big and it's something that Squire completely controls.
0: Yeah, so speaking of connections, speaking of customers and honestly speaking of design because Curvell has been on top of making sure that Squire Capital and the Squire Card look as good as the rest of the Squire brand. Maybe let's go there. Tell me how you came upon the idea for Squire Capital, how you decided it made sense to move into financial services and kind of like what that brainstorm was. And then we'll kind of get into more of what's what it actually looks like.
2: I guess, um, you know, this is like five years in the making. Uh, we always thought like we wanted to be kind of like at the epicenter of our customer lives, you know. so. This idea probably is five years old. We just was waiting for technology to caps up to our aspirations. Because, you know, we think about a a barbershop, we think about the barbershop owner, we think about the actual barbers. We know they're not banked correctly. And we know they're going to hit with these fees and having an account. We know they're not, you know, being cared for. We know that, you know, banks don't really know how they operate on an intimate level. Um, It goes back to that community banking, right? And this is the second time I've heard that community banking thing this week. Um, And it goes back to that concept of you got to be close um, to your customer. Uh, Bank of America doesn't give a shit about these guys, excuse my language, but they just don't. Um, And because they're just not high profit customers. And, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, open up, you know, a mortgage with them. They're not going to open up credit cards and stuff like that. So the the amount of money they can make from, you know, this customer is not as high. But we look at it as like we are connected to the customer in ways that, you know, we can really see their transactions. We can really see, you know, what they like to do, what they like to spend their money on. And, you know, we can put that money in and, and add value where these other banks cannot. Um, and that's kind of where we uh, uh, step in is we wanna have a full, kind of like a full relationship with it where we manage every aspect of their lives. And, you know, the the key to that or well, the connecting piece is the financial services. You know, if you control the money, then you are able to leverage that to serve your customers better. And that's kind of what, what it is. So we're happy, you know, we found a partner like bond who, who has the infrastructure, uh, who, you know, really helped us along the way where we provided point of feedback and they made adjustments to their product based on our certification and our needs. And, you know, uh, uh, uh partner like bond we don't think we would do it without with anyone else so you know i had to drop that in there but uh it, it is true so you know thank, thank
0: you guys my takeaway from that answer is you've been sitting on this idea for five years and you were just waiting for us to come along and build bonds so that you could actually build the products that like you just been just been waiting for that opportunity exactly Exactly. I love it. So, I mean, yeah, let's think about that a little bit though. Like five years ago, if you would have tried to, if you would have tried to set up a a debit card in the simplest kind of way, shape and form, simplest fashion, it would have been what, like a 18 to 24 month wait. And you would probably would have had to talk to what, like 40 banks. I mean, it would have been a drastically different experience. Did you start down that road five years ago, or were you just kind of like, Something's gonna catch up eventually. Here, we'll just wait for that.
1: We knew that there, we just didn't have the resources. Like, there's no no way that we that we could make that happen at that at that point. And uh, I'm a big believer in like companies that have an advantage when they're focusing on like what their core, what their core skill set is, and like what their core value proposition is. Like, we know this industry. We know the barbering space. Uh, we know what our customers want. Our expertise is not informing like uh, relationships with banking partners and all that compliance. Like that would have been a big departure from like what we're really good at. And we may or may not have even been able to do it successfully, even with resources. Um, So at that time, you know, although we knew that, that there was a huge potential in what we're doing now, we didn't even start trying to do it until until we you know came across you guys
0: what is the most important part of the product that we're standing up together with squire capital to you guys because there's multiple pieces right there's the ability to swipe a card and spend the money but there's also the ever elusive like cash flow maintenance of un- getting access to your money in the time frame that is not you know every other week or something like that so mm-hmm. For you guys, what what is the most important part of Squire Capital? Like, what's the big differentiator? What what makes it stand out? What matters? This is going to operate like a treasury product, but they don't know it's a treasury product. So, I think the
2: the the most important piece is the cash management and getting you know money to 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 them as quickly as possible, advancing against future earnings. Um, you know. Make sure they don't get crushed on instant deposit. They need money faster. Um, I, I think the cash management piece is a differentiator um, and it really separates us from from other our competitors. And you know, once we once we you know have that at scale, I think it would allow us to also you know make monetize um, the relationship in more in more ways. So I think. The most component, the critical part, is like the, the treasury product, but we're not calling it treasury, but it is a treasury product.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's in the same way that you're not going to call Squire supercuts, you're not going to call the Squire Capital the the treasury card, right? I mean, there's a there's a branding level to all of this and a design layer to all of it that associates with your community. I think it's a it's a beautiful thing. I'm curious about the the timing of this, right? The I made a joke earlier about fax machines and cash, but the The barbershop business, as you've said, is very cash based, and COVID specifically has made cash is this incredibly awkward thing that you know somebody hands me a dollar, I'm like, you know, where's the Purell? I gotta, I gotta, you know, <laughs> clean off my dollar bill kind of a thing. So how is the the timing of COVID kind of played into you? Building together with Bond, this whole Square Capital thing. Like, did did COVID kind of spur that forward and make it more of a priority for you, or was it kind of already something that was on the roadmap for you know this kind of frame of time?
1: It was it was on the roadmap already, but what uh, COVID did was really ac- accelerated the adoption of the software and cashless payments in the industry, which which makes you know the Square Capital offering all, all the more you know appealing. Um, so I think from that that respect, it's is, is, is only going to help. But um, as you said, this was a traditionally cash-based industri- industry. And over time, we've seen the trend move more and more to cards and then increasingly to mobile payments. And what we've seen is that the better businesses, the better run businesses are the earlier ones to make the transition. And the ones that are struggling uh, to pay the rent and not really doing very well are the ones that are clinging to cash, uh, cash only. And you know, I think this COVID really forced the hand of a lot of these businesses that were more hesitant because of the reason you just mentioned. Um, and we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing that in numbers. More shops coming on to squire, um, and a much bigger percentage are are, you know, taking taking cars. And a lot of it is driven by consumers, you know. We we know that that's what consumers want. The people who go into barbershops don't want to have to carry cash. And now more and more shops are starting to see that, and eventually they they are beholden to their customers, just the same way we are to our customers. Who's the shop? The barbers are beholden to their customers, who are the clients. So it's inevitable that this is going to go, you know, move away from cash more and more as time goes on. It's just there's there's no way of fighting it.
0: That makes sense. There's been a lot of really bad things about COVID, as I think we can all agree. But the the move away from cash and like the this general direction of a more digitally centric economy is hopefully one of the good things that comes out of it. And it makes sense. I mean, you guys are what now, like 175-ish employees. You got over 2,000 barbershops across three continents. You got 300% year over year growth. So VCs are just knocking down your door and you guys announced a, a big fundraise last week. So tell me about, tell me about the future, not only in terms of, you know, what Squire Capital may be even more broadly in the future, but also geographic expansion. It sounds like, sounds like people across the world need Squire, not just, you know, United States barbershop. So what's, what's the future hold?
2: I mean, the future holds, you know, we want to be the the biggest barbershop software company in the world. We want to have millions and millions and millions of users um, using our, our, our platform on a daily basis. And, you know, We know people get haircuts on a daily basis around the world, so why not service them through our technology? Um, I think um, what's interesting is that barbershop culture is driven by United States barbershop culture. And once we, you know, really saturate this market, I think it's just going to be a a really big inflection point where everybody around the world is going to come on board. We're seeing a lot now. But I think we we probably got you know you know maybe twenty four months, um, twenty next twenty four months are critical to really just win the market and really box everybody else
0: out. I'm excited to go get my haircut in Paris or something in in like eighteen months and walk into a barber shop <laughs> and, and see a Squire card popping out of the pocket of my barber. I mean, you know,
1: why not? It's, it's a very exciting time now to be you know entrepreneur, you know, to be founder of a tech company, because the world is increasingly, you know, it's getting so much smaller. And the interconnectedness makes uh, um, business opportunities, you know, appear in places where they wouldn't have been, you know, even like three or four years ago. Um, we're seeing a lot of like the payments infrastructure uh, really be built out in a lot of these developing countries, which is going to make it easier for you know, Squire and other you know, companies to now start doing business and to start charging customers. And uh, that coupled with the mobile uh, adoption all over the world, um, it just unlocks so many opportunities. I mean, like they said, there's no reason that they can't, we can't have Squire pretty much everywhere. Everybody gets a haircut. Barber culture is pervasive. It's probably the oldest uh, profession uh, in human history. There's references to barbers uh, in the Bible. So you know, as long as there's civilization, there's going to be barbers, and like that's that's what's so like big about this opportunity, and, and we, we couldn't be more excited. And the plan is to continue expanding uh, uh, to other countries and to being the the, the dominant, you know. Uh, monopoly, you know, uh, not in the legal sense, but, you know, like, like Peter Thiel's monopoly, like the de facto software system in this industry around the whole world. And that's, that's where marching Thor is.
0: It seems like you guys have the perfect pedigree and the perfect, like just set of inputs due to investors and everybody else to go truly build a gigantic company that leaves a real legacy, which actually I wasn't planning to ask you guys this, but just talking to you, I think my last question and the thing that I'm most curious about to each one of you individually is what you hope your personal legacy is. Because Squire's going to be big. I think we all can agree on that at this point. But what, what is Song's legacy? What is Dave's legacy? What do you guys hope to kind of leave your dent in the world as?
2: Uh, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't trying, I wasn't trying to ask a small one. I wasn't <laughs> trying to. W- t- tell yeah, me I mean, your
0: email and your and your Twitter handle, and we'll just leave it there. I'm, I want to know what, what drives you guys, what gets you out of bed every day. I mean, before, you know, like everyone
2: else, it was, you know, monetarily like wealth, you know, but now it's it's actually shifting. Uh, I, think, um, I think going through this process has allowed me to, you know, go through the ups and downs and, 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 and have it like really, really in your face. Um, early on, we couldn't raise any money. Um, I don't know what, what was that attributed to, uh, we thought if we weren't two black African-American founders, um, it would have been easier, but you know, the truth is we were. And, 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 and I understand it. I understand it from a, you know, from an investor's perspective, um, because, you know, natural human instinct is to pattern match. And if you don't see successful people that, you know, look like, you know, Song and I, what do you, what are you attaching it? What are you matching against? You know? And, um, I think early on we, we faced some of that, you know, lack thereof. Other folks that have been successful that come from, you know, similar, Backgrounds and don't look like Mark Zuckerberg or Evan Spiegel, so I, I think early on that that was a hurdle. Um, luckily, we had some friends, which um, you know that we grew up with, that we you know grew up professionally with, that were you know made some money that can just bridge us along as we needed. Um, but you know we didn't have that big one fundraise that you know a lot of guys have, like that three million dollars seed round. It was very piecemeal, so. I say that with all with saying, I say that because I think now I'm I'm very cognizant of you know what our impact is to future entrepreneurs coming back, coming up, uh, meaning that it's a more so a lighthouse for folks, you know, from the investor side and for the you know entrepreneur side, you know, to start something that can point to Squire investments, can point to Squire, and I think. That is become more important to me than, you know, monetary gain, uh, more or less. And, you know, I think that is super, super important.
0: I love that. That is one of, I, I read that TechCrunch article about you guys raising and at the end, it kind of hints at the fact that you wanted to, I mean, it's unfortunate to refer to yourself as a data point almost, but it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. At the same time, to think about the legacy of how it could open up a different future for folks that do look like you and Dave, or you and Song, I should say. Um, that's inspiring, man. That's inspiring. Song, try and try and follow that up.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I agree with all of that, 100 um, percent. And I think another component, you know, it's, it's important for the investors to see to see these examples of success. Um, but I think it's also important. For you know, young you know, black kids growing up to to realize that this is a, this is an option. Like I had no idea you know that what an entrepreneur was until I was probably in my twenties. You know, <laughs> like I thought to be successful when I was in high school, you know, to be successful you had to be a, do- a lawyer, a doctor. You know, like those are the examples that I had heard of. Um, so that's that's what I that's what I pursued. Um, but I really think that there's so much potential in so many communities that are underserved and, and, you know, my high school, 52% of, uh, of the class didn't graduate. So like just, just think of the, the human capital, the, 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 the squandered, you know, potential that if, if they had had more resources, if they had, somebody had believed in them, if there had been more funding, you know, there could have been an Elon, another Elon Musk, you know, that, or many other schools, you know, that these kids aren't given opportunities. So I say that to say that hopefully us being successful and us kind of like uh, being an example will, you know, inspire somebody else who otherwise wouldn't have known that that this is possible. And I think that one of the biggest um, indicators of like the, how unequal things are in this country is, unfortunately, it's, it is it's the, it's the wealth, you know, the wealth gap. And when you look at the fact that less than 1% of VC funded companies are, you know, are are, around black founders, that's, that's, that's a reflection of this problem, because in my mind at this time, the biggest vehicle for wealth creation is entrepreneurship, particularly in technology, like there's nothing else that can compare to it. So, you know, I I hope that after us and others like us, there'll be more uh, black companies getting founded, there'll be more um, you know, students, young people of color who are seeing this example and aspiring towards it and then creating companies that are billion dollar companies and then hiring pe- more people of color. And then those people are then creating, and I hope it's like an ecosystem, a virtuous, you know, cycle that will move the needle in, in closing this wealth gap. And if we can play a little part in that, uh, uh, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be satisfied. I'll, I'll be happy with that.
0: Oh yeah that is dope as Dave said that's you got me inspired if nothing else and makes me feel it's like wearing my bond hat makes me feel even better about working with you guys I mean just the overlap of values that we share and just the depth that we're hopefully going to be able to make in the world together I'm excited about it so me I know sure. me too. Uh, I appreciate you guys thank you so much for for taking the time to do this I've learned a lot had a blast and I, I hope you've uh, you know had a little bit of a therapy session or something, and enjoyed it. Yeah, it was so. good. Yeah, for thank, sure. you, thank, you. thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Interchange with Dave and Song at Squire interchange was founded inside a bond to benefit the developers product owners and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services we hope that you're learning enjoying and maybe even laughing along we love this world and we're passionate about every piece of it let us know what you'd like to learn more about who you'd like to hear from and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech in which we live if you'd like to learn more about bond please reach out you can get a hold of me at zach at bond.tech let's start a conversation check out the show notes and the bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough and lastly if you enjoyed this episode leave us a review and a rating in your favorite podcast app until our next interchange